And I don't mean go with you to buy stuff for my family. Sure. I mean you buy sure. stuff for my family. Yeah, that TC money. Let's go. So the Cougars, for the first time since 1984, are number one in someone's ranking. It's Batman to you, by the way. Sorry. The fun's begun. The fun has begun. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is the dude, BYU men's basketball head coach Mark Pulp, live in his office. Coach, it's always a pleasure to welcome you to the program. How great is Deseret First Credit Union? Seriously. So good. So good. They're the best, right? We I love mean, them. Yes. <laughs> your stipend check is in the mail. <laughs> hey, I want you to put on your football analyst hat right now, because why not? What did you think of BYU season opening performance against Navy? I'm just like, how is the football team scoring more than the basketball team? That was amazing. I thought, at one point, I'm like, they're going to score 85. Yes. It, it, had they kept it the starters fantastic. in, I think it would have been a BYU record. The record is 83. Lavelle and Jim McMahon were just just jerks against UTEP in the 80s. 83 <laughs> points. What, 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 in basketball, when do you call off the dogs if you're like, oh, this is, I got to, what, what's the earliest you pulled the starters in a game? I, I, I mean, I don't know, guys. I just, boy, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. I just don't, I think you respect the game by playing as hard as you can. Um, I know that people uh, disagree with me on that. I think you respect your opponent by playing as hard as you can. Um, um, I, I think you, you know, you respect the game by playing right. Also, there's a time when you need to, um, you know, save your starters or rest your starters or get other guys rotational minutes and all those kind of things. Um, you're always worried about health and injury, and and for us, you're always worried about the analysts of the game. But I think that you. You respect your opponent, respect the game by playing as hard as you can and trying to win. While we're talking coaching philosophy, you've been in a scenario where, man, you have the emotional high of great wins, and there's always this tendency to kind of relax a little bit. So uh, what advice do you have for the BYU football players after that emotional high of winning on ESPN Monday Night Football 55-3 to to not have a lapse in Game 2 against Army? Uh, I, don't, I mean, certainly they don't need any advice from me. They're playing great right now, and, and clearly Coach Sataki and his staff have, have things rolling in a great direction for them. I, I get the sense that those guys are so excited to be on the field playing. Um, you know, for those uh, players that get to be on the field right now playing, it's got to mean so much because so many of their competitors – for all kinds of different reasons are sitting at home without the opportunity to play. And it just brings it in a really specific relief, right? About how blessed we are to be able to go out on the field and compete. So I suspect they're going to be ready and and continue to play great. To a certain point, the uh, basketball season. I'll tell you what I would do. I would keep showing uh, coach Sataki dancing on the sideline. (laughs) I mean, I don't know how that doesn't get everybody hyped. So, if you want to throw that in a little pregame speech, let's go. We uh, Tuesday night on the Satake show, we threw in some uh, kind of Irish jig music to it. We thought it was more river dance than it was uh, TikTok, you know? No, I'm telling you, that I'm, one of the beautiful things that Coach does is he brings everybody together, right? 
he can cross over genres and cultures and everything else. And he sure did. Like there's a little hip hop, there's a little river dance, there's a little, a uh, little country two step in there. I mean, he brought all genres of dance together in one moment. It was a beautiful so moment. Can we expect this at any point from you in the upcoming season? An Irish jig? I'm working on it. I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually paying coach. Uh, we're meeting once a week. He's trying to teach me some dance moves. But you heard his, his post game comments about the players. He's like, if you can't dance already, don't bring it. So I was like, all right, I can't dance. <laughs> a, a certain amount of the uh, basketball season, it feels like, will be dependent on if football works. Um, do, do you feel like that's the case? And, and uh, if so, I imagine you're rooting hard for this whole situation to work so that basketball can happen. Yeah, we're, we're rooting for everything to work. We're rooting for, for, for football to work. We're rooting for school to work right now. We're rooting for the election to work. We're working, rooting for everything to work because our guys are desperate to play. Mark, when do you expect, and I know this is a loaded question, when do you expect your team season to start based on the information you have in front of you as of 10.24 a.m. Mountain Time on September 10th? Yeah, first of all, everything's so dynamic, so it changes every hour. But our expectation is we'll start November 25th. That was the the recommendation made by the Oversight Committee, and they'll meet finally on on, uh, September 16th, and we'll get some more direction. We don't know exactly what November 25th means, though. Does it mean that we've just chopped the first 15 days off the start of the season and everything else will progress normally? Uh, does it mean that they're going to extend the season 15 days? Does it mean that they're going to uh, kind of give us a, a, a bubble kind of feel from November 25th to January 6th when school comes back where you have to squeeze in, you know, all of your non-conference games or all of your games for the season. So that's the kind of direction that we're looking for right now. We know that it'll change over and over. And so, uh, but, but, but that November 25th date has been what's suggested and we expect that it'll go through in some form or fashion. The ACC uh, yesterday reports uh, of the ACC saying, yeah, we want every team in the whole March Madness. And then uh, the NCAA uh, senior vice president of basketball said, uh, we're, not, we're not making plans like that. Uh, what did you think of that proposal? Well, I don't know what it means exactly. Um, but, you know, whatever. I don't care. Let's play. <laughs> so if that means that every team's in or half the teams are in or only – you know, 24 of the teams are in. Let's go fight it out and go play. That's the most important thing. We just we just want a chance to play. I mean, I think all of us uh, missed out on that experience last year. Um, and, and so I think we're so eager to find a safe way to do this. Um, I think that it's been proven that there are safe methods to do this, that it can be done safely. And so uh, hopefully, you know, we'll get together and get it done. If everyone made the tourney, that'd be good for, uh, I imagine, a bonus for you built in for making said tourney, right? Uh, I don't know, but, but you know, <laughs> listen, I'm, I'm not, I'd have to go reread the contract. But, <laughs> yeah, right, dude. You know. you know, come on, bro. But, but we, uh, <laughs> but we, we want to, you know, we just want to go play and win. So we're really simple here at BYU, man. Just let us, please let us get on the court. Yeah. Let's try and win games. Okay. So with that hopeful November 25th start date in mind, whatever that means, as you said, What's the typical uh, practice plan for you guys like right now, building up to that date? We're in our normal off-season practice. So we get four, four hours a week on the court and four hours a week in the weight room uh, that we get to be together. Um, our guys are working really hard. Um, 
we have a lot of things we need to figure out. Um, but it's a, we, we have a super interesting roster, man. I think our guys feel that. Um, I think they've done a really nice job. You know, you can get paralyzed by the uncertainty and fall behind, or you can kind of put on the blinders to just forge ahead and say, we're playing, you know, just believe that we're going to go play. And so put everything, all your heart and soul into it. And our guys have been doing a nice job of that. It's not easy for these athletes right now. Um, because it's not easy to come every day and work as hard as they work, but uh, especially when you don't know if you're going to have the incentive of games. But our guys have done a great job. We have pretty good leadership right now, and and so they've stayed focused, and we're, and we're we're preparing to go play and go play well. Zach Wilson was just named the Manning Award Quarterback of the Week, by the way. That just came out. Who's the Zach Wilson of your team, Mark? Oof, boy, I don't know. I mean. I don't know if anybody on our team has the swag that Zach Wilson has. I mean, that dude just walks into the room. And you're like, wow, let's go. He's always got so, the jump man headband, too. He's like ready to play. He's, yeah. he's a pretty good basketball player, actually. That's what I've heard. Is he? I didn't know that. I did not know that. But he's a terrific athlete, and, and, and I, I know he's expecting big things of himself and his team this year. Mark Pope, BYU basketball head coach with us on BYU Sports Nation. All right, uh, what kind of COVID-19 testing protocols are in place for your players right now? The football team's testing three times a week. They obviously are in season, so it's a little more stringent. Uh, they had that road yeah. bubble. What, what's happening for your team? Well, there's two kind of two stages to it. One, it's tough to get into our building. So the building is kind of isolated and blocked off, and our guys have to, you know, have had to um, – kind of do their healthy together app and, uh, you know, uh, pass temperature and go through the training room and everything, um, to kind of get into the building. And then we're, we're doing a randomized testing once a week right now on our guys. Of course, if anybody shows any symptoms, uh, then we hold them out, um, until we can get uh, test results back. And, and, um, for the rest of our team that's feeling good, we're doing uh, randomized tests every week just to kind of keep a pulse on where we are. Who has developed? Guys are, you know, right now, right now, our guys are wearing masks in practice as much as they can, which has been a. It's 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 not easy, guys. It's it's hard to do. Uh, you know, we're we're um, we're kind of going twice a day now in a really simple sense. It's just a heavy lift, heavy hard lift in the morning, and then on the court in the afternoon. So, a couple of days a week, uh, we cook breakfast for our guys. Uh, Chef Bobby Hordusky, um, who is incredibly talented. Uh, actually pulls out the grill and cooks breakfast for our guys. And he's gloved up and mass up and just makes to go boxes for the guys. Uh, you know, we break in practice uh, multiple times during practice for our guys to actually wash their hands to, uh, you know, um, and, and disinfect. And, uh, you know, even some guys are having to change mass halfway through practice because they're so soaked that I think they lose their effectiveness. So we're taking every precaution that we possibly can and taking this really seriously. Our guys are, um, you know, trying to stay, uh, stay as isolated as they can and protect their team. Uh, so, you know, hopefully you're not seeing, you know, my guys out at raves or parties right now. They're, they're really trying to take this seriously and be protective of our team. Let's hope no BYU students are at raves, right, Mark? Amen. Let's go. <laughs> Keep it in-house, guys. Keep it in-house. When we say party in Provo, it's a uh, different definition, uh, that's for sure. Okay, who, who's, who's sticking out in practice as someone who um, – you, you is better than expected so far. Um, well, I, I don't know. You know, my expectations are ridiculous for everybody, so it's 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 sometimes hard to exceed them. But you know, you talk about guys sticking out. It's hard for Matt Harms not to stick out. I mean, he's he's all of seven three, and and uh, and he's playing a, at a high level right now. Um, it's really fun to watch him. He's he's been fantastic along with our entire front line. We have a really long front line. 
Um, and so I'm excited about those all guys. And I can start from, from the tallest guy and then go to the shortest guy. Uh, this Brandon Averett is, is um, going to be a really special player this year for us. And, um, and then you kind of take everybody in between. I, I like our team. I, th- I think we have a chance. Mark, it's great to catch up with you. Uh, the personality, the energy is always needed. And uh, like you, we're super stoked about BYU football and, of course, what awaits BYU basketball. So let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma to get through these next couple months, stay healthy, and uh, keep things rolling over there. Hey, hey, can I come? Listen, you tell me what I got to do, man. I will get a hazmat suit. I will get. I will continuously spray myself with disinfectant <laughs> While on the show, can I not get on on the show with you guys? <laughs> on the set, you want to come in? Be on the set. The Zoom is killing me. I kid you not. I will get a bright orange or blue. I'll have the, you know, whole deal. I'll be on oxygen. Can you guys make that happen? Just let me Spen- get on one Spencer's time. Spencer's pretty powerful. We'll we'll I'm see what it. we'll see what Spencer let can me, do. Let me throw my uh, uh, verbal weight around and see if we can't make this happen. We'll, we'll spread out. We'll be we'll have the TNT desk. You'll be Shaq. Spencer will be Charles. <laughs> Could we do like a, one of those gla- fully glass enclosed case that the magicians use before you know when they're going to drown themselves and just stick me in there and let's go. Yeah, minus the water, of course. We need some yeah. personal contact, boys. I'm done with Zoom. I get it. We, we we love it. Uh, yeah, we let's see what yes. we make it happen, Jim. Yes, Jeremy. let's do this next August. Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> Coach, great to talk with you, man. Continued success and health to you and your team. All right, thanks, guys, and congrats again to Coach Sataki and the football team, man. Let's go, boys. This sure is fun to watch these guys. Let's go. You got it. Mark Pope on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. He's got to go. He got an email at the end there. <laughs> did, did you notice that he turned his light on in the background? On, <laughs> on off. <laughs> He's got this, like, halo BYU basketball thing behind him. It wasn't intended that way originally, but. He never Listen, disappoints. at some point, we'll, um, we'll have somebody in the studio, and we'll, we'll move out and we'll figure I it think out. with that he he like as soon as we're cleared to do that he sh- he probably has worked his way into the number one spot right I think like, so he needs to be the first guest listen, in studio listen when we restart this thing okay. that was one of our favorite interviews this week you're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation this is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio well, as mentioned earlier on uh, Tuesday night, BYU announced that it's playing Troy in front of 6,000 fans in the home opener on September 26th. The university has now released a statement regarding that game and plans at home this season. BYU Sports Nation breaking news. Here's the statement. BYU is excited about the opportunity to have fans in attendance at Lavelle Edwards Stadium this fall. In an effort to best ensure a safe stadium environment, the university is taking a game-by-game phased-in approach regarding attendance at home games. As announced, the home opener versus Troy on September 26th will have approximately 6,000 in attendance. BYU hopes to increase attendance game-by-game after carefully monitoring for a safe and positive stadium experience. The university developed a comprehensive plan that divides Lavelle Edwards Stadium into four separate sections to allow for greater distancing and minimizes contact between the total number of attendees. Here's the breaking news part. By carefully managing each section as a separate outdoor event, BYU hopes to eventually have up to 24,000 fans in the stadium, 6,000 in each section. The plan has been reviewed and approved by the Utah Department of Health, 
and local health departments. We ask all those who attend to please follow state and BYU requirements as this will play an important role in increasing attendance at future games. Jason, what's your reaction? Uh, First off, number one, it's fantastic that BYU is going to have fans of any number in attendance. That is a big deal, and everybody should be commended that we're in a position to be able to do that. But I, I love the fact that that you have an opportunity, as long as everybody will follow the rules and the guidelines that the state of Utah has put in place in terms of wearing face coverings, things like that, the opportunity to go from 6,000, which is 10% capacity at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, all the way up to 24,000, which is 40% of capacity. That's exciting to be able to have the opportunity for that to game after game to kind of be reevaluated and possibly increase up to 24,000. That's, that's fantastic news for BYU fans that are excited about this team for an opportunity to see them in person. Yeah, it is cool to have fans at all. That's great. BYU, uh, or Utah rather, is uh, not green, not orange, but yellow. Correct. I was hoping for 24 out of the gate. I really was. I, I'm glad there are fans at all. That's great. Let's hope BYU can get to 24 quickly. Like, if things go really well after Troy, I don't know how quick they get to 24, but that would be nice because, like you said, 38% is a good number. That would be competitive with, I dare say, anyone nationally in terms of uh, what a a crowd in their stadium. That would be great. Last night for the Chiefs game, it was 22% capacity. So that'd be good. And let's be honest, everyone that's going to the Troy game, it's up to you how many people are at the future games. So wear your mask and follow the protocol so we can do this. And let's be honest, the fans will play a big role not only in how many fans are at the future games, but the game itself. Because that's the point of going to the game is to enjoy, make some noise, have an impact on the game. Last night, at 22% capacity on the Chiefs game, guess who was really loud? Those fans. Absolutely. It sounded normalist yes, to me. I was it ex- really did. I was very surprised how normal it sounded. with, with And they announced just shy of 16,000. I was surprised at, at how loud and normal it sounded. Look, what's exciting about all this is this is, this is easily attainable if everybody will go in the right frame of mind and wear the mask, because the Utah Department of Health has already said, yes, so they, this is possible. Yes, so BYU is choosing to do a phased-in approach. Yes. Y- Utah has sanctioned 24K. 24K. So that's great. Fantastic. It's, it's not 80K, but it's 24K. See what I did there? The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. BYU football's 1-0 in the modified 76 rankings. They're up to number 20, according to CBS College Sports. Everything is awesome. But, Jerem, does BYU, with this wave of momentum, need to add a quality game or two to potentially validate this season if they end up as a zero or even one loss team? I think they do. Two thoughts. So uh, one is the qu- the quality. Everyone's going to talk about, okay, who did BYU play? Did they beat anyone that's good to really validate this? I think that BYU does for that reason. Uh, I-, I think that BYU needs to add someone who's available. Now, Tom Homo did say there could be cancellations where one team doesn't reschedule and then BYU hops in there. I feel like BYU has November open for this. I feel like because BYU only has one game in November, Tom is sitting there thinking maybe we get a November game or early December if the le- that league isn't playing a conference championship game the first week. A lot of leagues are trying to play the second week of uh, December in that. 
I also think quantity needs to be taken into account here. Imagine at the end of the year, let's say, where are they? Let's say BYU goes 8-0, and, and it's just amazing and awesome. BYU has this undefeated season. I don't care if they win the rest by one point each, whatever. Just, they're 8-0, and okay? The margins, uh, you know, we can discuss later. A lot of teams, barring COVID cancellations, we'll see how many there are, will have played 9 or 10 or 11 games, some 12. BYU sitting there with 8 is going to look a little weird. So I, I think that BYU needs to get a game or two into anyways just to have more games. Because if BYU is undefeated, and one, they didn't play anybody really, and two, they have fewer games, it's not going to be a good argument for BYU in this. So I, I think they do need to validate the season with another quality game or two. Not just anybody. I think they need to be opponents where people go, oh, that's a nice win. Here's something we need to do as this season progresses. We need to follow very closely, and we've done this in the past, what BYU's opponents are doing because we all need BYU's opponents, including Navy, to start winning games. Once you beat them, like you are the biggest fan of whatever team BYU has beaten. So there is that element. Maybe Navy is a six or seven win team. Okay. Then, Out of how many games? You know what I mean? Like, like ten games. Like what, when what you say six, I don't know what that means. Six and four, seven okay. and three. We need uh, we need it to be seven and three. Right? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. No, no, you're not kidding. Like yeah. you, we need uh, the scenario for BYU football to be one that. They can look at the schedule and say, hey, we beat some quality teams. Houston's, Houston's good. They're 7-3. Right. Because the point isn't necessarily undefeated in this conversation. That's the goal of BYU football is to win every game. The point is to be able to have a chance to play in a nice bowl game. Yes. I don't know if – like right now at 8-0, and fewer games, not great quality. I don't think that BYU would deserve a New Year's 6 um, again, this is just this is just crazy talk. We're talking about going undefeated after week one. At I what no, point does it not become? At what point does it not become crazy? When BYU's like four now. Okay. Like if they beat Houston, let's let's chat. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. Like if BYU's undefeated through Houston, let's. If they beat Army, it's a realistic Troy, thing. and Houston. Yeah. Then BYU's four zero. Okay. Yes. Yes. All right, fair enough. Okay, so the blue goggles come off if you're at 4-0. <laughs> no, they'll be firmly affixed all year. Come on. We're already seeing things adjust. Like Tulsa and Oklahoma State pushed back the game last week to next week. SMU and TCU pushed back exactly. this week. It's, it's yeah. already happening. And Marshall had a game canceled in early October. So does BYU get on the phone and say, hey, uh, Marshall, we want you on the schedule. And is that a Marshall's quality not opponent? The, no, Marshall's not the one I'm thinking of. I, I'm thinking about UCF on November 7th. Sure. Make it happen. Let's go. What's what? And then Memphis is available on November 21st. BYU does have North Alabama. Move the North Alabama game. But what if North Alabama doesn't want to move? I mean, there are so many complications. Pay, pay here. them off. Get a better game mm. because you're going to make that money back if you actually do go undefeated and you have a chance at getting into a New Year's Six. Again, uh, sorry, my bad. I, need to put them on. <laughs> I, I acknowledge alert. this is way alert. out there. It's a, bye week. it's a bye week. Blue goggle alert. So quality AAC opponents, UCF is out there. Maybe there's a chance at Temple still. I don't think Temple is in the same category. But I'd be fine with adding them just to have another one. I, I need one more quality game. I would like to see BYU get to 10 games. Man, that's like another him. long road trip, though. Imagine BYU playing at Temple after they've already gone to Annapolis. They've already gone to West Point, And then they've got to go back to Philadelphia. Vice <laughs> like, is waiting for this game. He's like, please, come to town. <laughs> it helps the uh, Delta Sky Miles account. Or any frequent fly yeah, that, miles account, that that's no, for sure. That ain't no problem for BYU football. 
I'm working on it. I'm trying to compile it so that we can have enough uh, miles to uh, go play golf in Hawaii, okay? That'd be, that'd be great. We didn't play golf in Hawaii in December. That's our bad. <laughs> we should have. Instead, <laughs> we were on the beach. <laughs> yeah. Instead, I was watching that was a not bad. mediocre Star Wars movie. Okay. Quality, would, would Temple qualify? I know they're not UC yet, but no. would, would Temple qualify as a quality opponent? No. If, if it's on the road? No. Really? No. Like, sit there. Sit. This is how I imagine the conversation going. Game day is discussing whether BYU deserves to be in the New Year's Six. They're sitting at 9-0, and and they're like, who did they beat? They're not, Temple better not be in the top three or four wins in your season. But what you know if what Temple I mean? has a good season like they have had in the recent past, and they win nine games? That, that'd be good. Yeah. But they're I, just not the name brand lost, is what you're they saying. Lost, they lost their coach from a couple of years Truth. ago. Truth. Matt Rule went to Baylor, and now he's in the NFL. So I, I, I just don't see it with Temple. I, I think there's brand association because guess what? When BYU beats Texas, it's a big deal no matter what. If Texas wins four games that year, we're like, dude, Texas. When BYU beats uh, Pitt in 1984, dude, they were ranked third. They stunk that year. Like, okay. Brand association and actual merit matter. Okay, hear me out. Because there are only 76 teams playing, if BYU adds Temple or Marshall or somebody that doesn't qualify as a quality opponent and they get to 9-0, and I think that will be enough to sneak in the side door to a New Year's Six game where the nation will say, okay, let's see what BYU can really do. Let's see if they can really compete with a top-tier team. And they get that top-tier team in a bowl game. And even if BYU doesn't get into the New Year's Six and they slide to the Holiday Bowl, the Holiday Bowl is going to feature a really good Power 5 opponent. I'm not even – yeah, I'm not even necessarily like all in on, hey, if BYU is undefeated New Year's Six because they'll have fewer games and there just won't be the quality to sort of validate that typically. A reminder of this. This always happens, so let's talk about it. It's almost like uh, no batteries included on the BYU football season equivalent. BYU does not qualify as a, the best group of five team. They're not in the group of five. They have to out at large other power five yes. teams. But don't so, they have a huge advantage this year because there are yes. 76 teams instead yes. of 130 playing? We've, we've chronicled that BYU has a better shot at this. And with this schedule, listen, at first... It was a win just to have a schedule at all, and that was awesome. But now that we're in playing games, it's not about just playing the games. None of us are satisfied with just watching. you got to win now. And BYU did a great and terrible thing on Monday. They created expectation. <laughs> the best and worst thing ever for BYU football was the 1984 Natty. Because now every year we go, oh, what if BYU goes undefeated? Maybe that. We would never think that. Like, Marshall doesn't sit there and go, you know what we could do this year? They don't, they don't think that. But, but we do because there's a rich history here. The opportunity is there, but it's not actually there to go to the college football playoff. There's no chance BYU can go to the college football playoff, even if they go undefeated. There's no chance. New Year's Six is the peak for BYU football in the current construct. But, Jerem, what if Barstool Clemson and Barstool Alabama get what they really want and BYU beats Clemson and Alabama? And what if you spoke normally? <laughs> yeah, yeah that, not happening. L- listen, we not don't. Happening. I don't want that smoke from Clemson. But I, Navy's one thing. I am with Stuart Mandel, who said, "Look, BYU's strength of schedule is clearly not there. It's probably not enough to get them into a New Year's Six. It's certainly not enough to get them into the playoff conversation." Yeah, but no, come on, if they're undefeated, absolutely they should do as UCF and hang a banner, man. Listen, we hung a banner. For a serious XM mascot yeah. contest emotionally. Yeah. We hung that banner. Heck yeah, we would hang that <laughs> banner, man. Come on.
Yeah, I, in summary, I, th- I feel like I'm writing an English paper here. Uh, thus we see, uh, BYU does need to add games, in my opinion. For quantity and quality. One they at do. least. If, if they want to validate a special season. Who, who would have thought that in independence that this would have been the year where BYU perhaps shines the brightest? This might be that year. BYU was built for this situation, by the way. Oh, no one else is playing? Oh, we're going to go this way. We zig while everyone's at. Yes. That's, BYU wants to be in this situation. I said this in my feature on Countdown to Kickoff. Uh, this is the – it's almost poetic. This is the season of independence for BYU. It started literally on the nation's capital, the doorstep there. On the doorsteps of the – yes. In Annapolis. You were in D.C. on the steps of like – what, the, the, the Capitol building. Yeah, yeah. I'm on Capitol Hill, and I was like, this this just makes sense. You're it the, makes you're sense. The, you were in the Washington Mall. Everyone's yeah. like, where's, uh, you know, the, where are the stores? Yeah. It's not that kind BYU of mall. BYU are rev- they're revolutionaries, Jerem. Where's a- Abercrombie and Fitch? No, no, no. <laughs> it's the Lincoln Memorial. Okay? It's <laughs> they're, they're revolutionaries in that they're the only team west of Texas trying to play a full season. The I love na- it. The name of BYU's not conference is Independence. Mm-hmm. Sponsored by ESPN. <laughs> Presented by ESPN. <laughs> Presented by Mark Few and the West Coast. Let's add a game or two. And if it's UCF, fantastic. Can you imagine the build to that game if BYU continues to win? Oh, man. Oh, nice. Oh, man. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. It is our pleasure to welcome in BYU junior offensive lineman Brady Christensen via the Deseret First Credit Union hotline on Zoom now. Brady, great to have you on BYU Sports Nation. First and foremost, congratulations again on a statement victory at Navy to open up the 2020 campaign. Yeah, awesome, guys. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm excited to be here. So at one point, your offensive line coach, Eric Mateos, made his way over into the press box area where I was sitting and uh, made sure I could hear that uh, he, he did not want his offensive lineman drinking the poison. And he didn't want me putting out poison on uh, the social media uh, sphere. So at this point, how do you avoid drinking the poison and follow what your offensive line coach, Eric Mateos, says? Yeah, uh, obviously we had a good game, but after watching – film personally the last couple of days uh there's still things to work on um especially technical side uh, i think we played physical and we we played tough but there's a lot of technique stuff that we can improve on so it's always just about getting better if you're not getting better you're getting worse and so we know that we were in there yesterday getting a little lift on just uh motivated just to be the best we could be brady it wasn't a good game it was a great game you guys dominated bro that was almost perfect what was it like to perform so well in game one right out of the gates on that kind of stage on Monday Night Football? It was just awesome because usually you get like one O-lineman who plays really good in a game. I think we all just played really, really good um, from left to right. Clark had an unbelievable game. Tristan Hodge, Chandon James. I mean, just everyone played so sound and so physical. It's just really fun to see it all come together and all five of us play together and in sync. All right, Brady. So how do you avoid the emotional letdown that so often happens to teams after such a great performance like that? What is the key to maintaining that consistency and that level of execution? Yeah, I think uh, 
like Coach Grimes always says, we're going to go watch the film today, um, go fix, fix the corrections and stuff. But after today, uh, we just got to move on. We got to forget about the last game and then just get to work and go focus on the Army and um, have a good game plan for them and just uh, focus on them. And we can't really – we got to forget about the last game and just go to the next I don't want to forget, though, Brady. I want to keep talking about it. Uh, pro, pro Football Focus had four of the five linemen in its top four of the total offensive grades for BYU. He got a 91-1. That was excellent. Clark Barrington, like you said, got a 95. Tristan Hodge, 94-9. James Empey, 92-1. Shannon Herring got a 71-6. I don't know what, why they had that, but you got a 91-9. How did you feel about your individual performance at left tackle? Yeah, it was uh, – I've been – I've been focused a lot on the run game this off season, um, especially on the wide zone. I, I didn't play as good as I wanted to on the wide zone aspect of it, especially on the front side. Um, so there's definitely improvement to do there. Um, I need to go back and uh, really work on it. But as far as pass protection, I felt like I played really good. And then backside too, I, I felt like I had a good physical game. And that's what I really want to focus on, just the physicality and toughness of my game. I felt like I did take a step forward. What do you mean by wide zone? Uh, it's just our it's our go to it's our bread and butter just a classic wide zone play um that's what it's what who we are and uh um yeah it's what we run BYU junior offensive lineman Brady Christensen with us on BYU Sports Nation Brady what do you know about army at this point because you just told us okay we we looked at the tape we looked at the film of the navy game and now we're turning the page to army what what do you know about the black knights and uh, opponent number 2 um, I don't know a bunch of about them yet. I know they're going to be tough and physical, uh, just like Navy. Like They're, they're going to be tough guys. I mean, they have a very structured schedule. It's very um, demanding to go there. And so we know they're going to be tough and physical. And so we got to bring our A game um, in that aspect to be able to have a good game again. Yeah, Army certainly uh, impressed against Middle Tennessee State. We're looking forward to uh, that matchup. Not this week, but next week. You have a bye week. Uh, but tell us about the trip home because you guys play this late uh, East Coast game. The game ends around 11.15 or so local time there. What time did you get home? And you had to go to Salt Lake and then bust down to Provo, right? Right. So right after the game, we figured out we couldn't uh, fly into Provo because of the smoke and the wind and everything else. So we figured out we had to go to Salt Lake and everyone was like, you know what? More time with the boys. And so that was kind of our <laughs> attitude. Uh, uh, we, slept, we slept a lot, obviously, on the plane. We celebrated for a little while um, in the locker room, but we were all just exhausted. So most of us slept on the plane ride. And then the bus ride, uh, it felt long. Just in Salt Lake to Provo felt like forever just because we were. it was 5 a.m. We ended up getting home about 6 a.m. Um, so it, it, was a, it was a long night, but I slept in until like 10 or 11. So it was good. And then do you have class on Tuesdays that you had to go to virtually or in person? And you said you lifted? Yeah. So to be honest, I had class at 8. I set my alarm at 7.50. <laughs> I went straight to stop, and I fell back asleep. I missed class, to be honest, because I just you, I couldn't. You earned it. <laughs> secret. <laughs> it's a secret. Don't it's tell just anyone. us. It's just us. We're good. <laughs> just, just us three. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll allow the absence this time. Um, Brady, the celebrations, you, you mentioned in the locker room, you had fun and, uh, we're hooping and hollering in there and Eli Satuiaki's dancing, but I enjoyed the celebrations on the sideline during the game. And honestly, from where I was in the press box, it was louder than I thought it was going to be. I, I could hear you distinctly all the way up in the press box. What was that atmosphere like on the sideline during the game against Navy? 
Yeah, it was, it, it was awesome. I was actually like, I was wondering how it was going to be without fans. You know, I was like, what, what the heck is it going to be like? But it, was, it almost felt normal, and we were all just pumped to be out there playing again. Uh, there's so many teams that aren't playing, so we were just excited to be out there. And you could tell we were excited before the game, during the game, every touchdown. I mean, we were just celebrating, having a fun time with the boys, and just just having a great time. So it was, it was an awesome experience to, to be there. We thought this offensive line would be good. We, we've been drinking the poison. You have not. Uh, but Tyler Algier and Lopini Katoa, I mean, those were exceptional performances. Jackson, Jackson McChesney was quality as well. What was it like for those guys to uh, – or for you to watch them excel so much behind good blocking? Oh, it, it was amazing. They ran so physical. They finished every run. We always talk about falling forward, falling forward, um, and everything that we do just be dominant. And to watch them run like they did was – it was awesome. I, I mean, I knew they were going to do that, um, but it was just so fun to be able to block for them. And that's what we were telling Harvey, like, it's just – it's an honor to block for these guys because they just ran so hard. It almost makes our job easier and fun just to see that happen. Brady, I said this during the post game, but I don't think it can be understated how important it has been for BYU football to be together essentially since June 13th with player run practices and then the six week grind of training camp. What kind of an advantage did that grant to you against a team like Navy? where the emphasis after the game was placed all on, well, we didn't have contract drills and, and we weren't physical enough. So how much of an advantage was that for BYU? Yeah, that was huge. I mean, I'm just grateful for um, the administration and our staff for letting us practice and uh, be able to work out together and have PRPs together. It's been huge for us uh, just to keep the momentum going. It's all about um, momentum, really, in this game. And just to be able to have those couple months where we could be together and just to get better and experience the speed of the game, it, it was huge for us, definitely. It's an eight-game schedule. You're 1-0. There's no Power Fives on it. There's some quality group of fives scattered in there. You have a couple bye weeks here. What kind of opportunities does BYU football have to make a splash this season in this situation? Yeah, I think I'm just grateful. Like I said, we have eight games. A lot of teams out west, every team out west, they don't have any, so – we're just glad to be here, and I think if we could just take it one game at a time, I think we can do something really special. Um, obviously, you might think about what ifs, but we're not focused on that. We're just focused on our eight, seven more games that we have in front of us and see what we can go do, see what we can do each week and just get better each week. So we're really excited. Yes, the one-game approach uh, is, you know, the typical answer. That you we, get, we, uh, we take it two games at a time here, Brady, just so you know. We're, uh, we're looking at Army and Troy right now. So you know. Fair enough. You guys are allowed to do that. Sure, you know? sure. And, and we will continue to do that. Don't worry about that. Um, but with the seven games remaining, and I know you're focused on Army, but with how you performed against Navy and uh, with what you've been doing together since June 13th and through camp, is there an opponent on the schedule that you uh, don't feel like BYU could beat? Uh, I mean, we ha- we're playing confident. You, you have to believe you can beat anyone. So we believe we can beat anyone on our schedule. It doesn't matter who, when, or where. We're going to show up, and we're going to believe that we can win. Definitely. I wanted to ask you about Zach Wilson. So uh, Gunnar Romney has a couple of drops early. Zach is technically one for four. Neil stumbles the pick. But then he ends up going 13 of 18, 232 yards, two touchdowns, and uh, 206 pass efficiency rating. Tell us what you saw from Zach in this game as, as perhaps freshman Zach 
maybe struggles to come out of that. Who knows, right? But junior Zach Wilson, what kind of maturation have you seen in him and did you see in that game? Yeah, honestly, it's what we've seen all fall camp um, and all offseason, really. There's no one that works harder than Zach and spends more time in football. Um, So it was just no surprise. He just did what he did. He did what he does. Um, And it was awesome to see. I, I love that kid. And it's fun to block for him and fun to see him be able to make plays. I know he gets a lot of scrutiny, but the guy's a stud, and I'd go to war for him. How is he different from when he came in the game against Utah State in 2018 as the starter? Or, sorry, uh, Hawaii. I just think his uh, overall demeanor and confidence um, is a ton better. And just the way he controls the offense, he just really demands the respect out of all of us. We all respect him. Um, throughout across the board. And so it's uh, it's been awesome to see his growth. How are you different, Brady, in your junior season compared to your freshman season? Where have you improved and matured the most? Yeah, so when I was a freshman, I remember going into that Wisconsin game. We had three freshmen, me, Nanu, and James on the left side. We were just – we didn't know what we were doing. We are just like, oh, here we go. Here goes nothing. <laughs> and so – so uh, it's uh it's fun to see the growth because now like we're an experienced group we go in and we're just more confident we have more knowledge of the game and it's just it seems to slow down a little bit back then when you're a wide-eyed freshman man the game was just fast and you're just trying your best but it was just a lot different hey rest up man uh well-earned bye week and uh believe it or not eight or nine days from now you're headed back to the east coast to do it all again so uh get that rest man yeah Appreciate it. Can't wait. Thanks, guys. You got it. Brady Christensen via the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. I I really think that BYU was used to playing a big game in the opener. And this was a big game, and they were ready to go for it. Um, And I maybe wasn't for the reasons they stated. Oh, we didn't tackle, we didn't contact. But also, they're not playing a big-time opponent in game one a lot like BYU is. In fact, most teams in the country don't play a big game in week one. They're playing kind of an easier game to kind of ease into this. BYU is the team that rolls into the weight room, throws on the max, and tries to see how many reps they can do right away. And I've been critical of this approach, but in this case where all of a sudden you're not playing uh, you know, th- this tougher game at Utah and you have Navy, I think BYU was way more ready to go because they've been through these kind of situations in season openers. So the tough scheduling was a benefit in this case. So many things are benefiting BYU right now, and we just talked about a few of them. I mean, going back to June, the administration, and I'm glad he brought it up, the credit to the administration and Tom Homo for saying, hey, we can can figure this this. out. We can can figure it out. And even if some people get sick, we'll work through it. We'll figure it out. And they did it. And they did it. And there were no impactful COVID-19 scenarios for the Navy game, which is fantastic. And hopefully that stays the same. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Time now for the Cougar Whip Round presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. Okay, senior linebacker Isaiah Kafusa says... This is the best team he has been on. This offense, I think, is the best that I've seen. Um, the offensive line, phenomenal. I mean, they're the best, I think, the best line in the country. Um, and, and Zach really has, just takes control of, 
of the offense. You know, it's his offense. He runs it, and uh, he's, he's just a phenomenal quarterback. And, you know, really trust him. And then, obviously, we saw what the running backs did uh, behind the O-line. But, and then even on defense, we just have so many, so many players with experience, um, so many veterans, you know, that have high football IQs, that play hard, got a lot of experience. So, uh, um, you know, to answer that question, I, this, is the, this is the best team that I've been a part of. Well, well, well. Are you buying that this is the best team you always had in you? Look, certainly I, Isaiah would know. I mean, he's with these guys every day. But I, look, after one game, I, it may turn out to be that way. But after one game, I can't go there. I, I think you have to look at the at an offense that has Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams on it, right? 2016, right? Yes, 2016 to me is still the Satake era best team. Perhaps this team goes... Eight or nine. Where are the blue goggles? Do you mind? Uh, keep switching, Steve. There you go. There you go. Uh, perhaps this team alert. goes undefeated, and we have a discussion about that. Yeah, it could change. It's it's after one game. Yes, By the end of the season, that may be a very accurate statement. But he's right. Uh, Zach Wilson's grown. The O-line's better. It's all one game, though. It's all one game. Okay, so is this the best O-line in the nation? Okay, PFF, Pro Football Focus, says BYU has the number one offense. They have the uh, number one run blocking, second uh, highest run grade. Uh, that's only through you know a handful of teams that have played. Yes. Through week zero one and and last night what Miami and UAB uh, maybe a couple others um, right now it is right now it is I, I I wouldn't say that they're going to be the number one all year I would guess that Alabama and Clemson and right. some of those uh, you know powerhouses will uh, be in the mix as well I'm but but BYU is really good yeah they, I, they look good I, I'm with you right now I think they are with the teams that have played I would say BYU's O line is the best in the country yeah baby let's take it. Stuart Mandel of The Athletic tweeted, is it too late for BYU to schedule Ohio State? Would you want to see that game on the schedule if it were possible? Big Ten's still figuring out what they're doing. Look, if you get an opportunity to play Ohio State, you play Ohio State. That end of the discussion. Yeah. If you get a chance to play them, you play them. End of discussion. I don't feel like I can answer now. No, I literally am saying I oh. don't want you to answer. Oh, good. End of discussion. Okay, let's okay, no, go, please. Answer. Oh, oh uh, sure, why not? Um, I think BYU does need to play and have a game that validates the season. Even if BYU played that and that was the only loss, but BYU was competitive, I think that would go a long way. Still, still, because losers talk about margin of victory, but I think that would help BYU's cause in the pursuit of something special. Get the, get the Buckeyes in Provo? Yeah, that wouldn't <laughs> uh, happen. No. That wouldn't happen. By the way, it was funny. Uh, <laughs> some fans or fan last night like saw a Tom Homo tweet from 2017 saying, should we schedule this game at Ohio State? Yeah. I was in the stadium the same day as Tom because BYU men's volleyball was playing at Ohio State and it eventually lost that. But, yeah, it was an old tweet. Yeah, from, yeah it was several years ago. <laughs> All right, Army plays Louisiana Monroe yeah. while Western Kentucky, you boys, take on uh, Louisville this weekend. Yeah. How much will we be watching these future Cougar opponents? 100% of the snaps. I watched the entire Army game against Middle Tennessee State. I watched the entire Texas State uh, against SMU game. I will watch 100% of these snaps at some point this weekend. Uh, I am guaranteed to watch all of the Army game. Uh, mostly because that's BYU's next opponent. I don't know if I'll watch Western Kentucky. That's later. I, I may watch it at some point, but I'm guaranteeing. Do you have a DVR? I do have a DVR. Do you still use TiVo? I still say I'm going to tape it, by the way. Do you? I still say that, even though it's DVR. Let's watch the film. Yeah, I the still, film room. That's I still say, hey, I do. Ah. ask my wife, did you tape that? <laughs> but she knows what I mean. Yes. But yeah, I will for sure watch Army. I, I'm, I'm iffy on Western Kentucky. They're down the road a little bit. Yeah. Well. Yeah, of course. In an eight-game season, down the road is not that far. It's just around the corner. <laughs> College Hoops Insider John Rothstein says several men's hoops conference executives have told teams in their league they should plan on eight non-conference games. Is eight enough? Um, is it enough? No, 
Will I be happy if you get eight? Yeah, because I had it in my mind that we were probably going to go into this college basketball season that wouldn't start until January and it would be conference only. That's like what I was worried about. So BYU or any league is able to get eight non-conference games on top of their conference schedule. I will certainly take that. I would love more, but if you're able to get eight, I'll take it. It's normally 15, and I would ask this question. Mark Pope told us he thinks or has been told November 25th will be the starting point. If it's only two weeks delayed, why eight fewer games? Wouldn't right. it just be, what, two or four fewer games? I don't understand why it would be uh, seven or eight fewer games. All right, Utah Royals FC acquired former BYU women's soccer and Alta High standout Michelle Vasconcelos from the Chicago Red Stars. Is this the best fit oh, for the former Cougar? Yeah, she's home. Alta, as you mentioned, uh, in Salt Lake Valley back here. No, this is great. I I wish Ashley Hatch could come back too and those two team up again. That would be pretty cool because they had some spectacular goals at BYU. Yeah, I mean, Utah Royals, they're they're a really good team, really good club and to be able to have somebody that has name recognition within the state and you know she's a really good soccer player, it's it's win-win for everybody. And they just lost Kristen Press to England. I believe Manchester City as well. Okay, Chiefs got a dub last night. Jason, are they going to repeat as champs? In a word, yes. In, in your unbiased opinion. Uh, I think Baltimore is a good pick to win it. How dare you? It hurts me to say San Francisco is a uh, good pick to win it. Seattle, I think, will do what they do, which is make the playoffs and win a game or two. But the uh, there's no pass rush there, so it probably isn't happening. But playoffs, we're talking about playoffs. Let's go. I wish the Mariners would jump on that way. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. We have spent a lot of time discussing BYU's advantage at the offensive line position because we knew how good they were. We knew that there would be opportunities to run the football. Now, on the defensive side, could the Cougars get enough pressure to keep opposing offenses at bay? Last night, we saw BYU's run game flourish, and its defense shut down one of the best rushing attacks in college football. So, Jerem, which was more impressive, BYU's rush offense or rush defense? There's not a wrong answer here. There really Amen. Not. There is not. Um, I, I do want to point out the rush defense first because this is BYU and we talk about offense. But uh, what you said in your opening comment here was correct. The rush defense and the way that BYU played the lanes and their assignments. Uh, Chaz Ayu on the, the fourth down sprinting from 15 yards out as, as the Cinco, one of the safeties, and making it. Uh, play was tremendous. Uh, Isaiah Kafusi had a great play. Troy Warner on one play going to the boundary sheds his block and makes a tackle for loss. This was awesome. Peyton Wilgar, Max Tooley, Kyrus Tonga, Zach Daw, Brackenell Bakri, Keenan Peely. I mean, everyone was involved. There was not a weak point. Navy never had room to breathe. They ran off a couple of long runs, but it was after it was over, and the game-winning score comes 4.53 into this game. The BYU rush defense was incredible. It gives me hope that BYU is going to play Army really well uh, as well in, in you know, a little under two weeks now because Navy and what they've done traditionally is very good. Army as well, very similar scheme. BYU is, I think BYU could play Army today and have great success, right? I well, think they why, would want to why, play Army today. Why couldn't they? Why wouldn't you want to continue on with and the good, way you're playing? Good news, by the way, knock on wood, if you're superstitious, um, BYU came out pretty unscathed. And offensively, BYU did not have to reveal much of the playbook. They, they pull off the pedal midway through the third, which is a, a, you know, the ultimate sign of domination. All right, because of what I said a second ago, I, I'm going to go with the rush defense. It, it just, that, that to me 
was the most impressive. And, and it really goes to how highly I thought that the Navy run game was. And, and honestly, it is. Historically, that is a rushing attack that people just don't slow down to that degree. And so the fact that BYU was able to do that last night and literally give them nothing all night long, I've got to give it to them. I will say, however, a ton of credit goes to the BYU offensive line in the ground game. They knew they had the advantage, and they exploited that. I love to see the O-line control everything at the line of scrimmage and then see all the BYU running backs perform at a high level. You know, I, I was I – was, hoping that Jackson McChesney was going to get in the end zone for a second touchdown. And then you would have had three BYU running backs scoring two rushing touchdowns. And I don't know if that's ever instead happened. Instead, they combined for seven total touchdowns. Yes, I know. I, massive disappointment. I know massive I disappointment. think they should have had ten. You know what? And I know we're not talking about, about pass defense, but I was really impressed. Now, some of this was out of necessity because Navy was behind and they probably had to throw more than they wanted they to. They lined up in the shotgun one time. Yes. I was like, holy shit. I shnuck, thought BYU did a fantastic job defensively of recognizing, of, of not only doing what they needed to do to keep the rushing attack at, in, you know, in check, but also keeping a, a close eye on Dalen Morris. BYU did not make his first start a pleasant one at all. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a bad visit, uh, you know, on that end. Uh, shout out to the BYU fans, by the way, who lined the street going into the stadium and on the drive. Kalani Stock said the players really appreciated that. I know they That's couldn't really be cool. in the stadium. And we will, we will talk to Spencer Linton coming up, who was in the venue, of course, uh, flying back this morning. Gregor Bell on his way, probably in the air sometime this morning. Maybe he's, he's watching right he's now. He's going to host the Satake show tonight. Uh, we, we had a midnight Zoom call to prepare for the Satake show. It was, it was fun last night. 21.1% chance at a 2020 quest for perfection. Okay. Jerem, will BYU football run the table and win the remaining seven games on the 2020 football schedule? <sighs> okay, let's talk about it. Who's BYU going to lose to? Who's BYU going to lose to? We don't know. We don't know. Uh, Army seems like it's going to be more of a challenge than Navy, question mark. Houston, we think, will be improved. Western Kentucky won nine games last year. Those are all winnable games. The only game I see BYU maybe being an underdog in for a toss-up scenario is at Houston now because BYU is at Houston and not playing yeah. the other Cougars in Provo. Yeah, we'll, we'll see uh, with uh, the line. And, and they play, what, two, I think, games, maybe three before. Um, this is interesting. Anything, Any loss in those games would be disappointing now given what BYU did. I hope that's not the peak performance of the season, but let's be honest, it probably will be. That was incredible. There was, it was almost perfect. You brought up a stat that we're going to bring up right now for stat of the day that has me concerned. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Jerome. Vince, 2017, BYU's 12-12 versus group of five in independence. Okay. 500. That's an issue. It was 11 and 12. Now it's 12 and 12 after the Navy win. I can't ignore that stat. I can't go, you know what? This is a different BYU team, and it's not going to happen. Why? Um, I I still think there's a potential loss in the schedule. To run the table would be awesome. And let's be honest, BYU can do it. Um, There's a 21% chance of doing it. Uh, And here's why it's more realistic than normal. There are no Power Fives on the schedule. BYU's not playing 12 games or 13. So only eight would do, right? Um, only eight and no power fives. And one of the three toughest games 
off the board already, and it wasn't tough. In fact, it was unbelievably easy <laughs> against Navy. So he, here we go. I, I would love for it to happen, but the 12-12 and 12 thing makes me concerned. Do you want a Power 5 team that maybe sneaks onto the schedule because of a cancellation later in the season and BYU has flexibility? Like, I wonder if BYU fans, when they talk about, oh, the chance to win all eight games and go perfect, do you want a Power 5 team? Or do you even want the likes of a UCF, which has been floated out there heavily on social media with UCF's Barstool account? Let's make it happen! Because Barstool is the source of news. What? It Do do, do you, you want do, that? Do you want a a uh, somewhat meaningless eight and or do you want a more meaningful nine or ten and Well, it's, it, it's because, hard to call it meaningless because we don't know how all of these other teams will actually be. Like, what well, if Houston? Let me, let me explain what if Houston myself. Houston loses one game. Then, me, then is it meaningless? Let me explain myself. Okay. Uh, and Houston will lose more than one game. I bet. Um, it, it's that look. BYU doesn't have enough tough teams on the schedule to really validate it. BYU is going to look more like Hawaii in 07, where it's like you didn't play anybody, but you won every game, um, than they will otherwise. So I, I would love a UCF or a Cincy or a, a middle-of-the-road Power 5 added to this. That'd be great. I'm not ready to go all in on BYU being perfect through the eight games that are on the schedule right now. But I'm leaning that direction, that is for sure. I look at every opponent that BYU has remaining in 2020 and think, yes, if BYU does what I think they're capable of doing with the offensive line and the run game and the discipline and the experience, then yes, they should be favored and they should be expected to win all of those games. Expected is different than reality. Exactly. Expected is different than reality. BYU was expected to beat Toledo and South Florida, right? The ball takes funny bounces. Sometimes players make uh, decisions that don't really fall typically within what they usually do. And, I mean, not all mistakes are created equal in terms of the, rip, the repercussions that come from those. You know, not all turnovers are created equally. Sometimes it decides a game. Football's funny. The best team does not always win the game, clearly. Um, I thought that was soccer. No, the best team does not always win the game in football. And so I'm still – Kind of on seven and one, but I'm I'm getting there, Jeremy. If BYU dominates Army, the way that the, they dominated Navy, if, if they oh if that happens, I mean if they then win, we're going to start if talking. They win in West Point if by double it, figures. If, for crying out if loud, if you do, if you yeah, BYU's not going to beat Army by fifty two. But if if they won by twenty one plus or like three plus scores, it's like okay, BYU's got something. Remember, Army went five and eight last year. They looked really good against Middle Tennessee. Middle Tennessee State. is terrible. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they're that good. And like Navy looked awful too. I, I really want that win to have more meaning. But he, here's why it has meaning: no matter what Navy does, you only won by fifty-two. That there's no doubt. No doubt was left in that. If Navy doesn't win a single game all year, I'll still go. Hey, they won by fifty-two. Like they dominated, and that's what. Great teams from the past did. But guess what? BYU fans, I'm going to tell you this right now. If BYU blows out Army, I'm going to tell you this right now. Do not expect BYU to blow everybody out. Even the good teams, I dare say great teams, have close games. Look at Clemson, Alabama. They still play a couple of close games here. 84 undefeated. BYU played several close games at Hawaii, Michigan. There were a couple others in league where you go, what? If you're, so, if you're the number one team, shouldn't you win by... 30 every game. That's not how it works. You just need to win every game. Let's see where BYU goes with this. This is exciting. All right.
right, football equals injuries. It's just what it is. Unfortunately, Jackson McChesney is the latest victim for BYU as Matt Bushman with an Achilles a week ago, and then Jackson McChesney. Uh, those crazily happen on Mondays in back-to-back weeks. Jackson McChesney out for the season with a ligament tear in his foot. It's a bummer for the third-string running back who we expected to get a lot, of, lot more snaps this year. So what does this mean for the running backs? Well, first and foremost, it stinks for Jackson. I mean, by all accounts, he had regained his pre-mission legs in terms of uh, Blaine strength. Blaine was big on that, right? Blaine, I, t- I have talked to Blaine a lot about Jackson McChesney, and he was raving about what he saw, that the speed was back, that everything that you had seen from Jackson prior to his mission was returning, and so he was, he was looking for a big year from him. Uh, so it's a shame that the season is over for him. In terms of the impact from the running backs, I, I'm not sure that it is felt as much. That stuff's falling off the stuff set. Is, stuff hey, is falling calm, off. Jason, calm down. Something on the set may have just had a Liz Frank injury. I don't know. Oh, gosh. Uh, the impact I don't think is felt as strong as long as Lopini and Tyler Algier stay healthy. Heaven forbid something were to happen to either one of those, then I think the loss is felt more significantly. Because clearly, based off of what we saw, McChesney was third in that depth chart. Yes. So you have Lopini, you have Tyler Argier. Clearly, we saw they're capable of carrying the load after game one, after game, awesome. after game one, so the I think number one rushing yes, offense in the country yes. right now. I think as long as those two are there, the 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 impact is minimal. It's a luxury to have a third guy that's capable of the things that we believe Jackson McChesney is capable of. If one of those two go down, that's when I think you feel it because then the depth is needed, and at that point, then your depth is depleted somewhat. Yes, Jackson was going to get a bunch of run. This is a three-star kid out of uh, Alpine up the road at Lone Peak that we've been excited about for a couple of years. His brother Austin was uh, a defensive back. Um, This is a bummer because he was going to develop a ton. He was a redshirt freshman. He played uh, just a couple of games last year. He's going to be a third-year redshirt freshman next year because (laughs) it's a free year for everybody. It's going to be gnarly. He truly could be the 26-year-old running back for BYU when all is said and done. But you're exactly right. The onus now falls on Tyler Algier and Lopini Katoa to not only carry the load, and they were going to, but to stay healthy Yeah, because BYU does not have depth behind them. However, Sione Finau is coming back from a – ACL uh, injury last year suffered, uh, and he was going to be in the mix for a lot of PT this year. He looked really good in limited Got hurt at the end of last as year. As a freshman. So, yeah, he is not back yet. He's, he's in the mix in practice, but he is not ready to play, and it feels like it's going to be a little bit. Uh, Kalani Satake mentioning um, you know, that, that idea that it's, he's, he's at practice, but how long before he gets back? But he is certainly the number three that the moment he is able to play in a game. And then you look at uh, the offensive line. The good news is BYU had as good of a a performance running the ball as maybe they've ever had um, on Monday. It was very impressive. We'll talk to Eric Mateos coming up about that, uh, your conversation with him. They can help an okay running back become good. I I think this O-line is good enough for that. BYU has two good uh, good plus. They have two plus running backs right now. Um, When when you look at the guys behind them, though, that's where – I think this O-line could help someone who perhaps doesn't have as much experience or initial skill to become pretty good because that O-line is is going. And does somebody move from defense to offense? Does BYU feel like they need to do that? That all depends on how ready the people are behind Lopini Cato and Tyler Algier. We saw Tyler Algier move from linebacker Mm -hmm. to running back 
after moving from running back to linebacker last year. Look, it, we'll see if there's someone else. Well, there's already been guys. There's there's players that that maybe you thought would even be in the running back mix this year. I mean, Kavika Fonua is a guy that's that's played both linebacker and then he's running back. Jackson Kafusi is a guy that had been a running. He was a running back that, in spring. Yeah, in spring. So I mean, it's it's not like the the, the seed was he, maybe planted he was back then. Kind of more fullbackish. We're talking about the bulk exactly. carrier. Exactly, but but still, I think there are options there if that's the angle that they decide to go in terms of taking somebody from. You know the defensive side and and moving them over, and then again, you know, as Kalani said, Kyrus is probably England for a carrier two here. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> and the running backs have been riddled with issues, whether it be injury or transferring, which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Of the ten running backs BYU had on the roster in the past two months, five are available to play. Let's walk through them, shall we? In no particular order: Lopini Katoa, Tyler Algier. Devontae Henry-Cole comes from Utah. He transferred to Utah State. They don't play. Sione Finau, still recovering from an injury. Jackson McChesney, out for the year, Liz Frank. Hinkley Ropati, reportedly out for the year with a knee injury. He, right now, Hinkley Ropati would have been the clear number three if he was on this, uh, the squad. Bruce Garrett left the team. A talented running back went into the transfer portal during fall camp. And then these other three dudes. So it's Katoa Algier and then Chase Wester. Luke Andrada, speedster out of Colorado, wide receiver, running back guy. Javel Brown came over from running back to well, wide receiver, two running back. So right now it's, it, it makes you a little nervous to have three, four, and five be guys that haven't quite played a ton There's of that no position. experience in terms of BYU's depth behind right. the two running backs. Maybe BYU throws some of those guys in if they need it, and they're fantastic. Who knows? But just limited to no experience for those guys at that position quite yet. So I'm wondering um, you know, how quickly Sione Finau can get back. And then don't forget my point about the offensive line. I think they could really aid in this process of, hey, some of those holes are so big, it doesn't matter how right. good you are. Yeah, that, that's... Jason Shepard can run through those holes, baby. Well, I mean, look, they're for good. I don't yard. know if they're that good for, for me feet. to do anything. Three feet, that's one yard. Yeah. Okay, I can. all right, fine. Yeah. All right, I like your confidence in me. Yeah. Okay, I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm glad that you perceived it as that. <laughs> or snark, either way, it's yeah. fine. Yeah, with the offensive line playing as well as they did, and certainly we anticipate that type of play to continue just simply because of the the talent. And speaking of depth, the depth that they have at offensive line, I I do agree that they're going to make, and this is not taking anything away from the running backs, they're going to make running backs look good. Now, the running backs are already talented, but when you're running behind a line like that, you're going to look even better. It starts there. Yeah, it it starts up front. Listen, our offensive line is the production team. We're only as good sure. as the production sure. team can help us look good. We're, we're a bunch of, well, you're excellent, but I'm just a slouch up here talking. If the lighting's bad, if stuff's misspent, no, our crew is awesome. They are like the BYU offensive line. For In oh, health, you mean and being able to stay healthy if you're Lopini and Tyler Algier is paramount yes. at this point right now. I, I would uh, take it easy and practice a little bit with them. I really would, because there's no margin for error there. Who knows when Siona Finau's going to be ready? And if Finau's in the mix, he's a good player. We saw that, we against, saw that last, last saw year. That against Boise State. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. 
Yeah, as a uh, fellow Kansas City native and Chiefs fan, it was fun to be able to talk with offensive line coach Eric Mateos after BYU football practice uh, last night. Of course, we talked about the offensive line, but our interview also just happened to coincide with the start of the Chiefs game. Here's my conversation with Eric Mateos on the Desert First Credit Union Hotline. All right, Coach. Now, we're both Chiefs fans. We're both originally from Kansas City. And right now, the Chiefs game is actually going on. Uh, this mm-hmm. may be one of the quickest interviews in the history of quick interviews, so we can get back and actually watch this game. And, and you actually have it on your phone right now, right? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It uh, appears to be third down. I don't have my contacts in, so I'm not exactly sure. But, yeah, and that's why – that's the sole reason I have the biggest iPhone they sell, so I can do things like this. It's, it's basically just so that we can have another uh, a, a TV in our pocket. There's nothing wrong yep. with that. Now, before we get into the stuff, you know, like the football BYU stuff, Chiefs obviously coming off a Super Bowl championship. I've got my, uh, my Super Bowl champion T-shirt on right now. Uh, are we going to repeat? Are we running it back, as the Chiefs like to say? You think? I think. I think we. Uh, I think we are. I mean, I think we didn't lose any. We didn't lose any offensive weapons. I really like the development of the uh, the second and third tight ends we have on the roster. I think the O line is improved. I think we'll we'll miss the right guard uh, early, but I think after a while, I think they'll get in sync more on the O line. And uh, I like where the defense is at. I like where their mindset is. And so I think I think we're going to run it back. All right. I like your I like your optimism. Once we're done with the interview, we'll get back and actually watch the game tonight. <laughs> but let's let's focus on the stuff that people are actually tuning in to hear us discuss. And that's the BYU football and man alive. What a performance on Monday in Annapolis for BYU 55 to three, just a, a throttling of the midshipmen after a few days now to look at the tape. How pleased were you? with the play of the offensive line. I, I, I know that you, you don't want to give too much credit and let their heads get too big, but that was a dominating performance up front. Yeah, um, I'm pretty frustrated with uh, a couple of red zone drives we had there. Um, you know, one, I think our third or fourth possession, not, not finishing with a touchdown and running it in. Uh, that bothered me quite a bit. I was really irritated with uh, the two-minute drill. We didn't get the third down on third and two. So there's still a couple things that we went into this offseason really focusing on that I think we still have a lot to a lot of work to do. I mean, I mean we made a big point of emphasis if we want to improve in the red zone, we have to improve running the ball in the red zone. And so I think we did that to an extent, but I think we still missed uh, missed some opportunities there running it in in the red zone. Um, and then uh, in the two minute drill, that the third and the third and two, we ran a zone uh, to the right side, and and we got tackled, um, uh, and we had to go for a quarterback sneak on fourth and one just to to keep the drive going. So those are two things that I think we got to get taken care of. And then uh, Zach got hit, or uh, uh, Baylor got hit once um, on a screen in the second half. And that bothered me too. So uh, we got to get those things cleaned up. But if we if we attack those, then we'll get better. Well, spoken like a true coach. Certainly, you want this team to get better, regardless of the outcome. But uh, but I'm curious when you, when you look at the big picture, so much preparation is involved in getting these guys ready. You know better than anybody the talent that is there on the offensive line. So knowing what's there from a talent perspective, coaching these guys up. How satisfying is it, though, for you to see these guys come out and execute at such a high level? I mean, that's why you coach is because you want to see your players have success. Um, I really find nothing more satisfying in coaching than seeing 
my players go play in the NFL or seeing my players smiling after a win. And that's what motivates me as a coach. So uh, I spend my time working so they can have those feelings. And so it's very satisfying. It's, I, I, nothing makes me happier than seeing them happy after a win and seeing them proud of their work. And, but also it's, it's my job to also bring them down to earth. Um, uh, you know, it, we only had in my, with my grading, we only had one player grade out with an A for the game. And we only had three players grade out with a winning grade over 85%. So um, with my grading system, we're still not five guys grading out over 85. And until we do that, we're not, uh, we're not anywhere close where we need to be to be, to reach our goals. Who was the one guy that graded out as an A in your estimation? Uh, Clark, Clark graded out 90%. Uh, with six knockdowns and one great effort block. So how much of what we saw on Monday against Navy, and I'm not just talking about just from the offensive line, from what the running backs did, and boy, were they impressive, Zach and Romney coming in, the receivers. How much of that do you think is sustainable moving forward? It better be sustainable. Um, I mean, that's, that's, that's offensive football. Offensive football is execution. And you have a style of play, and then you have schemes that you use that fit your style of play. And um, our 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 style will not change uh, throughout the course of the season. We might have some wrinkles in our schemes, but uh, the style in which we play, you should expect to see that every game. And that's my expectation, and that should be the expectation of all that support us. It has been a pretty big week for you in general. You get the big win on the big stage Monday night, and then you get engaged this week. First and foremost, mm -hmm. congratulations. But Thank here's you. the question I want to ask you, Eric. What was the bigger victory? Getting her to say yes or the win over Navy? Uh, definitely definitely uh, Jillian saying yes was the much bigger <laughs> victory for me. Um, and I'm not just saying that either. Uh, she's, she's an amazing woman. I'm very lucky to have her in my life. And it was a huge uh, moment for me in my life and my personal life. And I'm very grateful for her and her family. And I'm uh, looking forward to the future. And because and, I'm going to have, uh, I tell people all the time, you're going to have a lot of game days. You're going to have a lot of logos you wear on your shirt throughout your career. But uh, she's going to be my ride or die. And, and uh, I'm really happy about that. Are we allowed to know how you proposed, uh, or is that something that's a little too personal to share with BYU Sports Nation? Uh, just took her to a bad Mexican restaurant. <laughs> that's it. Look at you, you big softy. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, there's some other stuff in there, but uh, we'll just keep it between us. All right, that's understandable. Well, well, I, I know I speak for everyone. I say congratulations. Um, so right now, Army would be the next opponent, obviously not this weekend. They've played one game. By the time you face them, they'll, they will have played uh, two games. What have you seen from the Black Knights when you look at the tape early on this season? Disciplined. Um, they keep it relatively simple so their players can play very fast. Uh, very physical team. They play well with their hands. Uh, extremely energetic. They swarm to the football. You notice those kind of things on film. Um, I would say one thing that I've just noticed in the last 48 hours is, is they, they play together and they look like they're having a lot of fun playing football. And you can tell how much they appreciated the opportunity to play their game, similar to how we appreciated it. And uh, they were, they, they played extremely hard in their previous contests and, 
And we are very excited to play them because we know that we're going to have to bring our best shot if we're going to win the game. Well, and I, I think that this angle has been brought up more on the defensive side, going up against the option and having the extra time to prepare. But what type of advantage do you think it is to have an extra week to prepare for an opponent this early in the year? I, I was saying this even with our Navy game. Uh, even with all the preparation for Navy, I did not feel like we were prepared until we got on that plane, until I was grading the test that night on Sunday night. You know, once I graded the test, then I said, okay, we're prepared. So as a coach, I don't think you ever feel extreme, you know, prepared until the foot hits the ball, to be honest with you. So no matter how much time you have on a team, you just always feel like there's more and more work to do and more to accomplish. So I've never really been able to take a breath, even with a bye week. I still feel a sense of urgency to get started. And and uh, sometimes the challenge tends to be don't get too much on the call sheet or don't install too much offense just because you have extra time. Uh, let's not get too crazy or too creative. Let's 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 may have a balance there where we want to take advantage of the extra time, but we don't want to overload our players just because we have a few extra days. And all of a sudden, there's an oversaturation point, and so we want to avoid that as well. So it's not where oh we have extra days, so let's put in 30 extra plays. It's you don't want to do that either. So there's a balance there. All right, coach, we'll wrap it up. Uh, we'll let you and myself get to the Chiefs game. I, I don't know what the score is. You're looking over there. Uh, blink blink yeah. once if we're ahead. Blink twice if we're behind. It, it's this. I'll, I think it's good I don't have my contacts in. That's all I'll say. Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> coach, thank you so much for taking a few minutes. Congratulations on the win. Congratulations again on getting engaged. That's awesome. Uh, and, uh, and we'll talk to you later. Thanks, Eric. Thanks. Thank you very much. That was Eric Mateos, offensive line coach on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. You know why we show how. I think it was, what, 7 nothing Houston, perhaps, at that point? Uh, yeah, that it would have been 7 nothing Houston yeah. at that point. And yeah. then it was like 30. Then it was 31 unanswered. 31 unanswered. So mm-hmm. it went really it was It was a blessed evening. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. BYU wide receiver Dax Milne. He's a junior, a former walk-on, and is well on his way to becoming a more appreciated member of the BYU football offense. You need to declare when he's properly appreciated. Okay. Like it is, it is now okay. official I can do that. appreciation level. Dax has already helped the cause with multiple spectacular, unforgettable catches and a solid performance against Navy on Monday night. At the heart of this all, his family is what's driving him to compete for this type of success. This is Deep Blue featuring Dax Milne, presented by America First Credit Union. We're here to help. Dax is probably one of the quietest guys you'll meet. Has a big personality, but doesn't, doesn't really show a lot through words. It's just through his example. Retains the playbook. He's tough. He's a guy that I could keep on the field every single play, and I know he'll he'll give it everything he has. It speaks a lot to his character. Fires goes deep for Milne. It is. Oh, what a grab! Spectacular catch! To sit in the stands and to see him have such just wonderful moments, like scoring touchdowns in ball games and against uh, USC, we're just, you know, brought us all the tears, you know, when you see those things happen. Touchdown, Cougar! I remember the game he showed up on the Jumbotron when he started in his, in his first game. And that was like a huge, big, big brother moment for me. Just to see the all that hard work pay off from all of our time throwing together and, and uh, 
I guess like the, you know, the video games help out a little bit too. But <laughs> remember when we played that uh, small like Nerf ball and we could just chuck it like? Yeah. Probably wasn't that far though because back in the day. And you think back to when he was just five and six years old wanting to play football you know and it was his dream so to to see him live out his dream right now is it's 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 very fun and and, and exciting for the whole family darren and jill his mom and dad are are incredible people and they've raised him right and and uh he's gone through a lot of adversity you know specifically with his mother and her encounter with uh with cancer yeah i just feel like yesterday I remember on the couch over there you sat me and Dax down. I saw that serious, sort of worried look on your face. Like, my heart kind of sank a little bit. She said, ah, I went to the doctor, and I just thought, like, oh, it was probably nothing. But then she said, I've been diagnosed with stage four cancer. And <clears throat> I ended up going in and having a colonoscopy, and they were able to determine that I did, in fact, have a tumor in my colon. After the diagnosis, I, I, they went to do more, ex, more testing to see if it had spread. And unfortunately, it had gone into my uh, liver. It was hard, I think, for all of us. It was, it, it rocked, I think, everybody's world, I think, you know, and it's, it's a scary thing to know that, that you know, when, you, when you're diagnosed with stage four cancer, you don't know what the outcome's going to be. And of course, you know, death is definitely possibility at that point so I think that was probably a very hard thing for them to process I couldn't really dwell on it that heavy because I had I had my freshman year of football going at BYU and it was already a huge adjustment coming from high school and there was a lot on my plate I tried to put it in the back of my mind but I know that's kind of bad to say like don't like not think your mom but I try to like compartmentalize like have football and then after football just make sure she was okay. Once we got the diagnosis and it was like, okay, what do we need to do? Let's we need to do this, 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 and this. And you, you just did it without any reservation. But your your positive attitude has helped us. Your faith, your looking outward to to serve other people while you're going through this was such an example for us. Overall, she she handled it like it's like a champ probably get too emotional if I keep talking about her, but she's amazing the way she handled it. And I'm uh, so grateful that she's still here today. So The fact that she's been able to beat it um, was no surprise to me. I think that's where uh, Dax probably attributes a lot of his toughness to. And anyone who, who, who's been through a battle of cancer or knows someone close who has, it's a hard things to fight. And so um, I don't think there's any coincidence there in, in why Dax is so tough. You can't help but learn something and grow. And I think that's the whole point of us going through these types of things is to learn and grow. And that's why our Heavenly Father allows us to experience these things, that we're stronger than we think we are, that we can do hard things, that we can make it, we can do it. We are fighters. During that time when she went through that experience, that was when I really found my why in, in life and in football. My why is, is my mom. Just keep hoping and praying that things will continue to go well and be good. Yeah. You got a strong mama. 
Deep Blue, presented by Deseret First Credit Union. We're here to help on Dax Milne, the junior receiver. What a story. And, and what's incredible about this is... America first, right? America first, correct. Yes. Now, what, uh, what hap- what's crazy about this, Jeremy, is when you, when you dive into the BYU football team, you see the surface and you're like, oh, great player, incredible athlete. They've all got these stories that Everyone's we often got don't, a story. don't know about. Story Trek, that's the basis of this. Knock on random doors, everyone has a story. Yeah, and you don't know what someone's going through and what the game means to them in, st- in terms of uh, escape, in terms of coping. Dax is a guy who, uh, frankly, you dealt with this. Your dad passed away last football season. That was a, a, a really hard thing for you, right? And we've, we've explored that on the show. Dax's mom, you know, some people survive, some people don't, and and it's and it's hard uh, on on those players. Yet Dax has been able to grow as a person off the field. You can see the strength of his family and his life. His brother Dallin works here, by the way, as well. So we've seen the Milne family effect in person. Uh, and his mom, uh, his mom's a very strong person, absolutely. And then on the field, you see a guy that uh, plays a big role for BYU as well. Six touches against Navy, three rushes, uh, nine yards carry, by the way, on those jet sweeps. And then three catches. So he is a big-time part of the BYU offense. Yeah, he's uh, a key cog in a lot of different things that BYU wants to do this year. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation in Studio B with our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Whitney Orton set a world record by running a mile while dribbling a basketball in 4.58.56. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's incredible. And the new world record holder, Whitney Orton, joins us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Whitney, welcome back to the show. How did you come up with the idea to dribble a basketball in a mile faster than anybody else has ever done? Um, It was definitely just Coach Taylor. She saw it on social media. She saw this high school girl that just broke the record, and it was kind of just like a funny thing. And it kind of became a bigger deal since everyone else has been talking about it. But it was honestly for fun. But, yeah. Okay, how fast can you run a mile without a basketball? Uh, My best time is 4.29. So you only added 29 seconds with a basketball? Is that what you're telling me? I guess. Wow! (laughs) I guess so. Okay, we we know you have game. Uh, Where are you, by the way? Who's around you? I am outside the Smithfield house in a corner. Hopefully no one can hear me or see me. (laughs) Will you, um, will you turn the camera and, and make sure your volume's up all the way for a sec? I want, I want to say something to the people. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Some golf carts. Go ahead. Say it to them. Oh, oh, you're in a, oh, you have an earpiece in, I'm told. I was going to say, Hey guys, we're shooting an interview here. <laughs> Quiet down. Okay, what you did is incredible. Yeah. You're and just yelling you, in my ear. Yeah, I'm yeah. basically my, my mom does that with my my son too. 
Hey, Tate. I'm like, it's an AirPod. Sorry. Uh, you did it with Anna Camp Bennett as well, which was really impressive. What, what was it like to do this? And what, what kind of reaction have you had from, from this world record? Um, yeah, it's like I said, it's definitely like blown out. I think it's been blown out of proportion. <laughs> like, it's for fun, you know, but everyone's been just kind of messaging and doing all these, I don't know, everyone's been reaching out about it more than I have with other things that I actually care way more about. So I'm like, dang it. <laughs> but also like, this is so nice. But yeah, it was fun to do with Anna. And yeah, we both played basketball in high school and we kind of we play one-on-one -on -one a little bit every once in a while to just keep our game, you know, a little bit. Who, who wins? So it was fun to do it with her. Uh, <laughs> yep, I don't know. Were you afraid that you'd ever <laughs> kind of kick the basketball or dribble it off your knee and you'd have to chase it down and that would affect the run? Because I'm assuming you'd have to grab the basketball and keep dribbling, right? Uh, yes. So you like can't lose the ball, I guess. Ooh. That's like one of the rules of the, the basketball mile, you know? So yes, like that was definitely something to think about. It's, it was so weird to combine the two because it's a different form than basketball. When you're dribbling, you're like down in defensive position. But like in this, like with running, you want to be like straight posture, like relaxed and like not thinking. But you had to think while racing a lot because you wanted to focus on the ball and not kick it. And so it was just a very weird combination of things. But yes, definitely was worried about that. I felt like I couldn't kick it in at the end as much as I wanted because it wasn't worth to lose the ball. <laughs> I feel like it would have been. Work, but. I feel like it would have been awesome if there was a referee with you, running alongside, just to see if you traveled. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, <laughs> <laughs> that would have been really funny. <laughs> Whitney Orton with us on BYU Sports Nation. Are you in the right sport? Do we need to contact Jeff <laughs> Judkins and get you onto the women's <laughs> basketball team? <laughs> My dad has been telling me that he's. He wants me to like use my last year for basketball <laughs> by my dad. I I do love basketball, but I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> you could be BYU's first four sport athlete because you're already in three cross country, indoor track, outdoor oh, track, you're right. and then women's hoops. I, I think, I think we ought to seriously consider this because that would be quite the feat. I mean, you're already accomplished. You now hold a world record. Which, by the way, was it a Guinness world record? Was it a world record with something else? We've always heard Guinness. What, what, uh, what is it? Honestly, I don't even know. <laughs> like, I, I'm the worst. It doesn't matter when you're the record holder. <laughs> yep, that's all. Explain your life without a cross-country season right now. I mean, you're breaking world records. You're staying busy, clearly, with school and whatnot. But what, what's life like without an actual season? Yeah, it's so weird. Like Coach Taylor's trying to make it like similar with training so that we are still getting fit and getting better and stuff. And she's been setting up like inner squad races and stuff, but it's definitely different. It's it's kind of hard to have the same intensity a little bit. Like it's definitely one of my struggles. I'm I'm mindfully trying to be as intense in workouts and things without having races, like actual races. So it really is different, but it's good that she's been creative and getting us basketball miles and stuff to kind of put our attention to, but yeah, a little weird, but we're, we're just trucking along, you know, <laughs> listen, 2020 is going to be weird and we're going to put on the list, you know, Hey, we saw a basketball mile world record. <laughs> like that's awesome. Right. 
Um, how's school right now for you? Do you have all right, do you have a mix of in-person and virtual classes? I know it's unique. So I was talking to one of our camera operators here. She only has virtual classes, right? Um, for me, I have one blended. I had one that was online. Uh, it got moved, or I got had one that was in class, but it got moved to online. And then, so yeah, most of them are online, but still get to come on campus, so that's nice. Whitney, it's great to catch up with you. Uh, congratulations again on that world record. Uh, you've depressed most people because they can't run a mile in under six minutes, let alone in under <laughs> with five a basketball or with a basketball. But uh... oh no, <laughs> That's uh, not, that wasn't my intention. Okay, <laughs> I kid, I kid. No, outstanding stuff. Um, let's give you some karma for school, and we hope to see you running uh, against other teams very soon. Thank you very much. You got it. Whitney Orton on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show up. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Okay, after a big win or loss, there's inevitable overreaction, (laughs) right? Um, But what is an overreaction versus reality? Let's chat. There's some things to chat about right now. This is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. We call it overreaction or reality, Jason. BYU would have beat Utah. Oh, gosh. Right out of the gate, we're bringing the heat. Um, I don't know the answer. I think it would have been a good game. Yes. Utah's defense, even though they had to replace nine starters, and then on offense, the battery of, of Huntley and Moss and company, it would have been a good game. I think it would have been a good game. So I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say that's an overreaction. Take a stand. That's an overreaction. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Judge. Judy. <laughs> Oh, take the stand? My bad. Over- All right. Is it an overreaction or reality? Uh, look, it's, it's an overreaction because we just don't know. Yeah. I know we all want to think because the BYU did this against one team that that will translate against Transitive another team. Transitive property. Yeah, it, we, we don't know that. With that said, yep, they would have beaten them. <laughs> <laughs> reality. Um, yeah, it would have been nice to play that. But guess what? BYU's not playing Utah. BYU's Utah, not playing Utah, Utah, so Utah's we don't not know. playing at all. Utah State's not playing at all. I'm, I'm still sad for those guys. Okay, number two. Tyler Algier and Lopini Kato are good for a combined 200 rushing yards a game. Um, and then we're talking about combined here. Overreaction so, or reaction? I, I, will say, I, I will say overreaction because there's going to be – look, now there's tape, okay? Now there's tape on what BYU can do. And it, 54 teams, there aren't tape. Yeah, that's true. All but I, I, I don't know if you're going to need 200 from both. You're going to have more passing yards probably than in, in other games. I, 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 right now I will say it's an overreaction it that you're going to get 200 from between the two. It's an overreaction. If BYU gets 200 a game on the ground, they're going to be 8-0 and sitting pretty. Um, if you get 175, although this is probably the strength of the team, right, is the, the O-line's ability to create a quality run game. BYU has two good running backs, obviously. Excited to see it. So, uh, yeah, but it is an overreaction. All right, BYU will go undefeated, 8-0. and zero. Okay, let's walk through the schedule again just to remind you how easy this is for BYU this year compared to what it was. Uh, Army next Saturday. That's, week from that's Saturday. What, sorry. Right. Sorry, a week from Saturday. Thank you. Uh, Troy at home on the 26th, October 10th, UTSA. October 16th at Houston. October 24th, Texas State. The Bobcats, Grant Hill's son, Calvin Hill in the house. Uh, October 31st on Halloween, Western Kentucky, and November 21st, North Alabama. Uh, BYU will lose a game this year. They're going to lose a game. It just it happens. Western Kentucky, sneaky. 
I got to wear these goggles so they look <laughs> stupid because guess what? Listen, I know this schedule is easier, and there is a chance for BYU to actually go undefeated. It, it exists. But there, like, there's not, uh, there's not, it's not all Texas states, right? Army, Houston, Western Kentucky could be challenges. If, and if BYU goes 8-0, and we'll get into it in a sec. Then what? But it could be interesting. This is the season to go undefeated yeah. and say, hey, look what we could have done had it been normal. Look, I thought that this was a possibility before the game against Navy last night with the schedule that BYU had. So, yeah, I'm going to say it's reality. I think that this team has the ability to do that. What we saw last night only strengthens my thought that that is more than possible. I'm saying reality. Yeah, and history does not. Like, ask everybody but 84, but there are fewer games, there's no P5s, and there's not a G5 burner on the schedule. Right, but how many times do teams win eight games? A lot of times you win eight games. Right. Most times when you're going undefeated, you're winning 12 regular season games right. or 13. And are, and are these all the games BYU is going to play? Probably, because after I, last night, nobody's going to want to play BYU. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> I want BYU to schedule another <laughs> tough game. Like, if UCF would play... That would help BYU's cause in its pursuit of what they hope is something special, which brings us to number four, overreaction or reality. Is BYU in the running for a New Year's Six Bowl game? Reality. Absolutely. If they have, if they, have they go 8-0, and even if they go 7-1, and depending on what the one is and how it happens, I think you've put yourself at least in the conversation. I'll say reality. I still think this is a blue goggled conversation, despite how easier, how much easier the schedule is. It's just hard to win every game. It just is. And now BYU is going to play its three toughest games. Well, maybe not Navy now that we have know that. Right. But two of the next three toughest games are on the road. At uh, at Army, right? Army is better than Navy. It's not going to yes. be fifty-five to three against Army. They have tackled in practice. <laughs> they have actually, and they tackled. have tackled in a game now. They tackled in the game against Middle Tennessee State. They won forty-two nothing on Saturday. Houston, we think is going to be decent. Western Kentucky, and then uh, BYU is going to beat North Alabama. They're going to beat Texas State. I watched that whole game. BYU is going to win that game. Uh, UTSA, BYU is going to win that game. Troy, BYU should win that game. Yeah, this is going to be a fun year. Like six and two at this point would be a disappointment. The adjusted expectations are probably seven and one. To expect eight and zero, oh. we've been down this road. Like, just careful. Right? Yeah, just take it one game at a time. No, I know you don't no. want to be the cliche. Two coaching. games at a time. It's now Army and Troy. But here's the thing: don't don't expect fifty-five to three every game. And if and if, but we, that's why people are thinking undefeated <laughs> could happen. Yes, because it wasn't just a win. It was it was a, a it big was win. Total domination over what we thought of was someone's a, soul a good, is what it was. A, a good <laughs> opponent. Yeah. So I'm. Intrigued. Uh, New Year's Six still is a, you know, if you say 8-0 in New Year's Six, that's, like, if BYU gets to 6-0 and and they're playing Western Kentucky, North I just Alabama, can't take you seriously with the clown That's blue why we wear them, because it's so stupid. Now, like, I just, the idea but see, at least with that these, BYU would be in a New Year's Six. At least six. with these, these, these are sleek. They have somewhat of a, of a nice look to them. Yes, yes. I, listen, I'm all in on, let's hype this up, let's go, let's... Da, da, da. We've been there before and burned. Just enjoy what's going to happen in front of us. And if BYU happens to get Nano, that's still no guarantee to get in the New Year's Six, by the way. That, is, that you're correct. It, it does not that, guarantee like, anything. That does not mean BYU's in. BYU has zero automatic access. They have chosen this as an independent. But, but, guess what? The fun's begun. The fun has begun. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.